0: Hey Soul Seekers, Kay here, and welcome to the 36th episode of the Language of My Soul podcast. Today we will be exploring the top three and last three things on my bucket list before speaking on the most spooky word on the internet, nigger and the power of words, inspired by Joe Rogan. The question last episode was, if you had a year left to live, would you rather have a bucket list filled with only big things or only small things? From that list, what would be your top three and last three things? For me, I'd rather bucket list filled with big things, for they'll change our perspective on life compared to the mundane day-to-day activities. Most of our lives are already filled with small events, unlike the Hero's Journey or Hollywood movie. Just some small hills here and there before continuing on. The biggest event that occurred to me recently was leaving my job, but even that was over a year ago. Since then, there hasn't been anything exciting. Just small bumps here and there. Big events force a change in perspective. You can't hide in your shell when a tsunami is gushing towards you. Only after living in Japan alone did I appreciate how much time one has if they don't need to cook or clean. Big events also makes life more exciting compared to the day-to-day mundanity of eat, sleep, work, repeat. It's an escape from the real world, the world of responsibilities and long-term sacrifices. The only thing that matters is the here and now, the adventure to the island of the lost boys with Peter Pan. After those big events, we come back down to earth, to a world where saving $200 per month for house repairs in 20 years time is a necessity, all coping with a shit job to springboard ourselves to a better place in a year or two. My big events would be piloting a plane over Japan, travelling the world and understanding their food and customs. The last three big things I'd want is to change jobs, industries, getting married and having children. I've always wanted to fly, to soar above the skies, free like birds and not give a damn about what's happening below. The feeling of true freedom without being bogged down in the quagmire of real life issues. It's only yourself and the skies that will take you far away to a new destination. To travel the world and try and understand other cultures and try cuisines is an eye-opening journey. To see what different types of people exist how they live and understand their culture. Like how, in Singapore, having an apartment is normal. A three-bedroom home isn't feasible due to inadequate land. In contrast, the Australian dream is a single or double-storey house, with apartments being seen as a lesser option. Or how in Japan, they tend not to work and eat. I theorise that this is due to population density. With over 37 million people in Tokyo alone, if everyone ate and walked, there would be filth everywhere food would be spilling onto everyone and there isn't enough personal space anyway. In China, personal space doesn't exist. People just cam against and through each other like sardines. If that happened in Australia, people would think you're starting shit and picking a fight. All this knowledge, this experience, would help me see the truth of the world, to see how the world truly is, not what it should be. The final three things would be related to work, marriage, and children. To me... Work exists just to sustain ourselves. It's also a good time waster. Doing nothing all day is hell. After two weeks of nothingness, I'd feel like killing myself to ease the boredom, much less years like hikomori's. Now work should be interesting enough that you don't bore yourself to death, but I'm not interested in careers that consume my entire life, like a lawyer. Sure, they get compensated handsomely, millions for partners, except, what for? Why bother earning so much if you could never enjoy the fruits of your labour? So work, careers, jobs, anything regarding those aspects are only changed out of necessity, or if I'm bored out of my mind. So why is marriage unimportant? My friends have gotten engaged or married and feel happy in those relationships. Good for them. For me, marriage is unnecessary since nothing is eternal and people always change. Eventually our partners aren't similar to us anymore. The legal implications favour the wife and screws over the husband. I, for one, would not like to lose half my assets, especially when I'm older with less options to earn it all back. As for not desiring children, I'm not anti-natalist or against having children for whatever ideology. In fact, those who have children are a blessing. They're single-handedly preventing civilizations collapse. I know a woman who has eight children. Eight fucking children. Her alone is propping up Australia's abysmal 1.6 children per woman statistic. Without people like her, the population will spiral into a decline and will run into serious population issues like Japan. Heal yourself before creating others. I'm uncertain whether I could ever properly heal myself. To inflict subconscious wounds onto others is most cruel, especially since childhood wounds scar the longest. However, that's not all. I don't want to lose my freedom. My independence. My name is Kate, the great Kate, filled with his own dreams, desires, and ambitions. I want to be the me I want to be. Not just a dad without a name to him, to sacrifice his freedoms and service to another. To give up his dreams because the child needs someone there. Something like that isn't the life I desire. Now, you could say that's just like Peter Pan. The boy who never grew up. Always playing and always running. So what? Bite me. Shall the religious inherit the world? By Eric Kaufman explores whether religious folk who tend to encourage and desire kids would inherit the world. I believe they would, as over time, people like myself will fade into dust. Same with the anti-natalists or individualists who don't desire children. All that's left are religious people who continue to have children and want children. If you don't agree with my view of children, fair enough. Be content and satisfied that you who want kids will have the last laugh, a generation after I end. Nigger, nigger, nigger. The N-word is just like Voldemort in Harry Potter. He who shall not be named. But why? Saying nigger doesn't imply anything. Calling a black person a nigger does. See the difference? Is this a symbol of humanity's progress? To ban words to prevent others from being overtly racist? Then why aren't other racial slurs held in the same forbidden domain? Chinks, white crackers, both don't have the same level of authoritarian control. Over time, an increasing number of words are banned, censored, or their definition expanded, partially by platforms that steer clear of any controversial issues for the sake of those advertisers' dollars and partially by an overzealous minority that cancels anyone that dares transgress. An example platform is Novel Updates, a meta-aggregator site for translated novels to English. They're censoring numerous words with an asterisk, like slaves. Why bother with words and definitions if everyone has to guess what the damn word is? Why not just use letters for everything then? The N-word, C-word, S-word, and F-word. D-Y-G-W-I-M. That's what it would look like if words were banned. Everybody has to use every brain cell to figure out what on earth is being said. George Carlin did a segment where he mocked TV stations over control of swear words. Shit, fuck, cunt, goddammit. Although TV stations started to loosen up, the internet has taken its place in forcing the ban. Even a video talking about that very same George Carlin segment beeped out the swear words. The internet naturally gravitates towards monopolies, like YouTube. That's what can or cannot be said is in their control. Even podcasts aren't totally free. I'm using Anchor to distribute this podcast and they're owned by Spotify. They could, at will, ban my podcast for saying nigger and there's nothing I could do against that. Somewhere buried in the fine print gives them the right to do anything. Forbidding words doesn't remove their power. In fact, it grants them even greater powers. It's precisely because it's censored that people are drawn to use it more. For defying the rules grants power. Power that we gave it because of our collective decision to restrict those words. He who shall not be named. Even now... After hearing myself say "nigger" thrice to start off this podcast, what did that make you feel? Did you turn your head around, hoping that nobody heard that? Have you subconsciously judged me as bad and no longer wish to associate yourself with the podcast? as a soul seeker? In fact, have you already changed the podcast? Will you even make it here? After all, you don't want to be associated with someone who said "nigger" now do you? Isn't that racist? We've granted power to words and could just as easily take it away. The games played on the world stage today involve defining and redefining words. A while ago, there was a large push against sexual harassment in universities. The statistics stated that 50% of women experience sexual harassment. What an alarming figure. We must do something about it. So they did. Campaigns after campaigns, protest here and there. But what is sexual harassment these days? In that report, getting looked at a bit too long was sexual harassment. It turned from physical actions against you to the purely subjective. Sexual harassment became anything you deem sexual harassment. The power of words is infinite. It can create and crush nations, enslave millions to do your bidding, or have them cower in fear of being labelled. Even as I say this, I do not dare discuss such a topic with females. I do not want to be labelled and have my reputation destroyed over somebody's arbitrary whim. In private presence of females, my use of language and actions have become self-censored. Topics remain small talk or business necessity only. All to avoid future troubles and allegations. The Dota 2 Pro scene had a Me Too moment. Because a male caster said a bit too much to a female caster. His career vanished overnight with little hopes of recovery. Despite stating how we grant words power, I won't go in public and say nigger everywhere, nor will I be talking about this episode. Hypocritical, I know. When you label me, you negate me. If we just met and you read a post from my blog, LangSoul.com, titled The Consequences of AI-Generated Child Pornography, Would you truly continue to associate with me? What type of person did you just label me as? From a simple title, you'd no longer see me as me, but as something else. Hence why this podcast is anonymous. For the everyday person, the only option is to self-censor. If we wish to continue living our lives, to keep our jobs, and not be involved in dramas beyond our control, then there's no overt resistance to this creeping censorship Only a few brave souls speak out. However, alone the rabid mob takes them down. Unlike ourselves, who wish to live a fulfilled life, the rabid mob dedicates all its time to destroying those who transgress. How would we contend against that? Not to mention, big lies spread and stick, and the truth fades into oblivion. Or perhaps it will be a tiny footnote at the bottom of an article which nobody reads anyway. The question this episode is, what is your identity? With that concluding thought, thanks for listening to the Language of My Soul podcast. If you wanted more, then visit my blog at langsoul.com. If you had your own answers to the big questions or wanted to send through your own big question, then there's a voice clip link in the description or email me k at langsoul.com.